0: A long time ago, in a small Jewish community, there lived a rabbi teacher by the name of Shimon Ben Shetach. Shimon Ben Shetach was known near and far as a tremendous teacher of Torah. And he had dedicated students, students he wouldn't charge to teach. He was a very poor man, lived with very few resources. His job was to be a delivery man. He would deliver primarily wood to make, fires to cook on, and he would deliver water to people's tables. But it was enough to get by. His students loved him so much that they went to the marketplace and they pooled their resources and they bought him Uh, a donkey, a donkey from from an Arab who was selling this donkey in the marketplace and they brought it to him and he was just just overjoyed, he was so grateful for their kindness. And as he was preparing the donkey to put a saddle on it and have it help him with his deliveries, he noticed around the the neck of the donkey a, a small pouch. And in this pouch, they opened up the pouch, and in it was, was a diamond. And Shema ben Shetach was just taken back, never seen anything quite as expensive and valuable as this. And, and his students said, Ah, Rabbi, the law teaches that when you purchase something, you get the entire package. And so this. Pouch was attached to the donkey, which had the diamond in it. Which therefore, therefore, it the law says, it belongs to you. And Shimon ben Shetach thought for a moment, and then he said to his students, "What of what good is any of my teaching if it doesn't ultimately lead me to righteousness and to justice?" And he insisted that they walk to the marketplace and give this Arab man his diamond back. And the man was so shocked to have this man give him his diamond back that the Arab said aloud, Blessed be the God of Shimon ben Shetach, Righteousness and justice and fairness and kindness and recognizing that the other is just as valuable as you are that is the essence of the teaching of our Jewish tradition and without it we will be in the fellowship hall at St. Mark's Episcopal Church for our fifth, it's hard to believe, fifth annual CSK First Night Passover Seder, which uh, is a ton of fun. And as our advertising has stated, which says, psst, don't come to our First Night Passover Seder if you're looking for what you're used to. (laughs) So we welcome you to sign up, to join us, we very much welcome those who have not yet signed up or, haven't, or have not yet signed up to bring food. The main courses are taken care of, but there are a lot of items on, on our sign up that need to be signed up for. So we invite you to please do so as soon as possible. So, Passover is coming up. And I want to talk to you briefly about three items this evening in preparation for Passover. All of which circle back to the, sh- the story I told a little bit ago about Rabbi Shimon ben Shattach. For him, understanding the crux of it all, understanding the, 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 the central message that flows through our tradition, all of our tradition. Every aspect of it It is crucial for us when we are yet again preparing to celebrate Passover. Because it's so easy as all of us know. Look, anybody who's hosted a Passover Seder knows it ain't easy. Anybody who's ever prepared a home to get rid of the chametz, the stuff you're not allowed to have during Passover, knows that it ain't easy. And you can go pretty far to the point that some Jews wonder, am I a slave? Which, of course, is quite ironic that we are celebrating the exodus from slavery. So I'm not going to tell you how far to take it, although I would say that if you're not getting Six hours of sleep a night? You've gone too far, but I'm not going to say that. But there are three things that I want to focus on just very briefly. The first is, where does the Seder come from? The second, what are, what's the meaning of, of two of the rituals of Passover? And the third is, Why do we have to get rid of the chametz? And I'm gonna do this with give you just a couple of, a bunch of things to think about. To remind you as you prepare for Passover, what it's supposed to really be about. The first thing I wanna remind you of is that there's only four commandments in the Torah about Passover. We're commanded to offer up the Paschal Lamb, to tell our children the story of how we came forth from slavery to freedom. We are taught that we have to get rid of the chametz. And we are taught to eat bitter herbs. That's it. That is all the Torah commands us. It's not until the Mishnah in the year 200 CE where we have begin to have the glimpse of what Passover may become. We learn about the Seder plate. We learn about the four cups of wine. And we learn about the four questions. I'm going to get to the four questions in a moment. But these pieces are, have been added over the course of literally centuries to the commandment, one of the four commandments that's even most important, to tell the story. You've got to tell the story. Where does the Seder come from? Does anybody know? Hmm? (laughs) The Seder actually comes from, believe it or not, the Dionysian feast of ancient Roman and Greek times. People got together, well, in that day and age, men got together, and they ate too much, and they drank too much, and they talked philosophy. And the Jews looked at this and said, hell, well, you know, our temple is gone. We got to do something else with this ceremony, this ritual, this tradition. Well, that looks good. We're going to convert it. And that's what the Jews did. They turned the Dionysian feast into what becomes The Seder. Now, my goal is not to get you to go back to the Dionysian feast. But rather to remember the purpose of the Seder is enjoyment. If you're sitting at the Seder table and you're miserable, you're doing it wrong. Leaders of the Seder... If you feel like you can't let go of the way you've been doing it because it won't be legit anymore, let go. Mm-hmm. Let, them, let my people go. <laughs> Set them free. Allow the questions to pour forth. Which brings me to the second piece. The ritual of the four questions. Where does it come from? The four questions comes from this Mishnah piece. What we don't know is what comes before the four questions in the Mishnah. It says, if the children don't have questions that they can come up with themselves, use these. Not, here's the only four questions. We know the answers. And truth be told, there's only one question. Why is this night different from all other nights? It's just the subjective, subjunctive clause that changes. Right? Why is this, this night different from all other nights? In that, we eat maror, we eat matzah, etc. But those are only there if nobody else can come up with a question. So ask the people at the Seder. What questions do you have? Right? Look for who the wise child is. Not the smartest, but the one who likes rules. Look for the wicked child. Not really the evil one, but the one who wants to challenge authority. Look for the simple one. And look for the one who doesn't even know how to ask. All four of those children are sitting at your Seder table. I promise you. I mean, we all know who Lenny is. <laughs> and the third part, chametz. Why are we supposed to get rid of the chametz? We know the story. The Israelites were rushing out of Egypt. They didn't have time for the, for the, uh, for the dough to rise, right? They rushed out matzah. So matzah is both the symbol of oppression it's also the symbol of freedom. It depends on what direction you're moving in. If you're running out of Egypt, it's a symbol of freedom. If you're running towards Egypt, it's a symbol of oppression. The matzah doesn't change, it's how we carry it. But what is it about dough that makes it matzah versus bread? It rises, it's allowed to rise, right? Well, what's bread ultimately filled with? How does it rise? Yeah, it's yeast, but what do you do? You put it in this, I mean, after you allowed it to rise, you put it in the oven, and it grows even bigger because of what kind of air, Jody? Cold air? Hot air. Passover is our opportunity year after year to try to get rid of some of our hot air. We can't be free if we're filled with hot air because we're always insisting that we're right. We're always insisting that we know better. We're always insisting that we, you know, we don't need GPS. We know where we're going. That's what Passover is about. It should be fun, it should be joyous. It should be inspirational, and most importantly, it should be freeing. That is what makes Passover the festival of freedom.